Welcome to The Digital Week. I'm Monica Bradley with my friend Michael Roseman. Lovely seeing you again, Monica. I can sense you had a very, very busy week. Oh, my week in the smart city of Brisbane. Uh, I had a, a tremendous week experiencing some absolutely delightful events. And I heard you worked on gamification as well. And I think today let's talk about the world of gamification and what we can do in that space and in the world of the smart city and how the smart city potentially like gamification will take us from convenience to something that is delightening and creates long-lasting experiences. We talk a lot about gamification, serious games, using gamification far beyond just entertainment. Can you give us one example, something you've seen this week where gamification unlocks complete new ideas? Sure. There was a, we went to the launch of a wonderful little gamification tool that's been designed uh, by City Smart here in Brisbane that was aimed at uh, youth people that are living in rented accommodation that are really finding the electricity costs that are rising to be a bit of a problem. So they've actually created a game, an app, that uh, youth between the ages of, I guess, 18 and 30 play and in the playing of the game they actually identify areas of re to reduce their energy consumption. They've also linked the program in with a couple of energy providers and if they get certain reward points on the gamification, they actually swap out high usage, um, inefficient um, appliances with lower interest uh, ones and lower energy efficiency or higher energy efficiency. That, that, that sounds fascinating for me as an instructor and lecturer. What I can see are two things. One is I use the conditioned individual. Kids are used to gamification mm -hmm. and what they see is the gamification continues when they pay the utility bill. Well, and the good thing is in the trials, they're getting reductions of like 40% in energy bills in these critically, you know, quite difficult um, consumers. That's fascinating. And the other one is the, the building of a community. So instead of it's me paying and struggling with my bill, it's the creation of a community. Correct, tribes. And that might develop a, a value in its own right. So uh, I create a community and then who's interested in dealing with this community? What commercial value do they have? So you can see that goes back to the idea we had before. It's not just us talking to many customers, it's us as the facilitator of such a community. In this case, a community of, of individuals who, who try to outperform each other on saving money. Well, and in, in talking about that, we, you know, we, we spoke earlier this week about, you know, how's our response to things like where the government's asking for input mm. on taxation? And, you know, amongst our group here at, at uh, the PwC chair, we decided that we should put a submission in where we're starting to write, you know, the value exchange system of taxation or tribes within a community, but write it in Minecraft. Instead of trying to write a long, lengthy paper, this is how we think tax should be written, you know, why don't we put it out there in a Minecraft game and let digital natives play it and let digital natives tell us what tax would stop me doing something or what tax concession would encourage me to be rewarded to do something. And the beauty, and I like this idea a lot, would be we could accelerate the development of policies, of legislation. So we talked in our previous podcast a lot about latency and it takes corporations too long to react. On the government side, we see the same. And what you just described could be such an amazing accelerator to, to create an organization, whether in this case a tax office or other government entities, uh, where very quickly would, would throw out uh, legislation and regulations that matter in the age of the digital economy. Uh, but Monica, early um, uh, on in our podcast, you mentioned the term smart cities as another observation this week. 
Um, giving some insights, smart cities, where are we at the moment, uh, especially here locally in Brisbane? What do you observe? Well, we had Greg Clark here last week who's uh, from Oxford in the UK and he's a specialist for the business of cities. Mm. Apparently being a city is a business nowadays. And uh, Greg was classifying cities. He said we have the old world cities, the New York, the Paris, and they're struggling at the moment with really old infrastructure, some, in some cases two and 300 years old. And how do they replace and fund the replacement of that and digitise with all these new Economies. Then we have the very fast-paced moving cities, you know, like Shanghai, mm. some of the Indian cities, where really there's a, a massive acceleration of people into um, urban areas. And there, and there it's about how do we build infrastructure that doesn't exist. And then we have a new classification, which Brisbane is fitting into very nicely, called a new world city. That sounds exciting. What I've seen in India is that these constraints that we face in India, of course, accelerate innovation as well. You put so much pressure on these uh, cities that there's no alternative to being a smart city. However, when you move to places like Brisbane, innovation becomes an option. We innovate in many cases because we can, and maybe not to the same extent because we have to. So what do you observe here in Brisbane in terms of what drives the move towards a smart city? Do we do it because we have to? Is there customer demand or is it more a big experiment and we give it a go? No, I think in Brisbane it's very much, uh, Brisbane's one of those cities that's anchored in livability. You know, we are still a city where I can sit on this side of the river and say, hey, I want to go and see a friend on the other side and be there in 15 minutes. Mm. Um, this is unusual in a city of 1.5 million, 2 million people. We know that the city will grow to probably four or five million over the next 15 years. So it's about how do we manage that growth. Uh, Brisbane is blessed already with some good corridors for public transport and also for road transportation. But really it's about anchoring this livability and digital is a big part of that. You know, being livable is about how do I stay connected in a virtual sense but also in a physical sense? How do I get from A to B? What's the transport options? You know, can I Uber? I mean, for instance, and we're looking at digitization of, you know, the old-fashioned transport network was, can I print a timetable and see what time the bus comes? And then I would need to find where am I and where am I going? I mean, we've moved on from that. I can put my address of where I'm going to where I want to be and it will show me I have to walk and then get a bus and then that bus will take me to somewhere else and I have to walk. You know, what about the joined-up one that says, has an Uber, has a share ride to get to this? You know, when are we going to start really integrating the sharing economy into transportation? And then I've got one ticket. I've got only one um, bill, one invoice, and it takes me from A to B, no matter what mode of transport I'm utilizing. And you might have the overall orchestrator who orchestrates this. Um, going back to your bus example, one thing we see in the digital economy is that the provider comes to you, mm. takes part in your life. So it's not me finding out when does the next bus go, it's me as the public transport provider trying to sense where you have to be. And these personal recommender systems, mm. those who have a high share of digital attention will blend into your life and say, Monica, I work out where you want to be and I suggest uh, a certain timetable that matters to you. One step even further, the bus will physically come to you. So if I can sense where people are, are finding themselves, a, a bus might be so agile that they come to you. Think Brisbane, think flood. Um, there are all kind of uh, potential disruptions. Mm. Now, where do people go? And to what extent could the bus of the future sense where the demand is? So this is what we call, I come to you instead of you come to me. And the paradigm of me becoming an attribute of your life is something that is a big challenge for not just only governments, but also, of course, private service providers. Mm, I like it. So 
there would be a fair amount of so that would be anchored in good senses around the city, I guess. So some some of the new infrastructure for new old cities is not just bridges, roads, tunnels, and lighting. It's also where what are we sensing? So where are we placing sensors so they can be read? And also there's about the data. How do we open up the data bank of the city of who is moving between points? And you know it's obviously a trade-off between privacy, although you can't see individuals. But how do we open that up so innovative solutions build on those platforms? and create more innovative products and service offerings. Absolutely. In the industrial age, we often talked about the city as a sheer uh, composition of physical items. We look at buildings and roads and traffic lights. In the information age, we can see this coexistence of a physical and a digital world. And what you just described is that advanced mechanical, electrical engineering, the Internet of Things inserts a complete new level of smartness to a physical city. Well, my favourite example in that, Michael, is the um, is the Dutch uh, nursing home that was catering to dementia sufferers, and they recreated a, a miniature village, like a mini town, that was completely equipped with sensors, and everyone within that town was a dementia sufferer or a carer for a dementia sufferer, but. Unlike today, where we box people in and restrict because you know people with dementia obviously get to places and don't recall where they are, they create an environment that was an experience that was safe, but within the parameters of a small village. It's extraordinary. Wow! Experience. So you could tell me where I put my cheese. I could tell you where you put your cheese, and also I could uh, use my sensor. And if I was about to sit down for my fifth cup of coffee of the morning because I hadn't recalled that I'd had three others, which I do actually sometimes myself right now. <laughs> Um, it, it, it would tell me. Yeah. That is interesting. And also they would tell me where I need to be. So everyone in the village is also employed to manage that experience. So they know, they can identify who is in their area, whether it be a play area or an exercise area, and they get sensors and triggers based on predictives that tell you where they really should be. So this is quite interesting because we see this hierarchy of different kind of uh, mini words. We've got the smart home where uh, we can sense temperature and, and uh, other um, elements, and they come together. You talk about the smart village, and the smart city ultimately brings us all together. And what we assume is the challenge is that a lot of these devices have been developed in isolation. The smart lighting, mm-hmm. and only switching on street lights if someone comes or walks by. Uh, we've got smart waste management, where you get charged every time you dump waste. Uh, we've got smartness around sensing pollution, noise level, and traffic jams. But many of them are developed in isolation. So we see an entire new job opportunity here for those who are able to design, to orchestrate all these smart devices and events coming from people, infrastructure, to bring this all together. Mm. So the, the architects of the future cities are really going to be the conductors of an orchestra of the Internet of Things. Absolutely. I guess you might have two conductors. There's a classical city architect who's very familiar with the physical design, and then you've got the the digital conductor who can sense what's going on. And uh, as part of the chair and digital economy, uh, one of our activities will be to understand how these two conductors will fit together, but also for then informing the next generation, what is it that the next talent needs to know when it comes not just to the single device, smart robot, but to the orchestration of a lot of smart things to facilitate higher quality of life in such cities. Mm. Now, but will start cities be all about digital? 
You know, where's the experience in that? Where's the, how are we differentiating city to city based on, you know, it's very, I have a very different experience in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane or New York to I have here. How do you think smart cities of the future will differentiate themselves? So I still believe there's, of course, entertainment, not just convenience. How do I avoid the next traffic jam? But the experience, think big, smart walls where I could stream information that matters to you right now, where I, as an individual, a bit like New York, could stream content to the street. So I could imagine that entertainment all of a sudden goes far beyond the opera house and the theater and hits the street. Mm -hmm. So the smart city is often reduced to sheer convenience and time saving. Mm -hmm. But to unlock this kind of next level of, of how do I make entertainment um, exciting? Think about how do I convert a mailbox into something that becomes entertaining, streams information, streams news. Mm -hmm. um, this requires creativity, but to unlock ideas above the line, to create a city that delights you and not just accelerates your life and saves time will be a challenge and, and it requires a very different talent, of course. Mm. Well, on a smart city, I think we've had a full week again at the PwC Chair of the Digital Economy. We've gone through banking and finance, smart cities today. We've had a big discussion in the public media this week about the sharing economy and government's role in that. So I think we've, we've done a few outcasts in our last podcast, but we'll revisit that again in the future. Michael, as always, it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure and I can't wait. I'm quite sure the idea of sharing the sharing economy, whether I share my car or I share data in the smart city of the future, will be a fascinating topic for next week. Until then, enjoy your weekend, Monica. And to you, Michael.